What in the world? Has anybody heard those words? What in the world? Anybody heard that phrase before? When I hear one of my kids say that phrase, I'm a parent and I come running as fast as I can because I know something is wrong when they say like, what in the world? I, Emma said it the other day. She says, what in the world? And we go out there and she's got blackberries. We grow some blackberries out our kitchen window in our backyard. And she's holding these little blackberries. And she says, what in the world? These grow in our backyard. She thought it was so, so cool. The other day, um, we, I was headed home from school with David. I was taking him to an appointment that he had. And this car on Henderson, like, cuts me off. And I slam on my brakes. I almost rear-ended him. And David goes, what in the world? What in the world were they doing, Mom? Um, I was really proud of myself that I've used that phrase so much that that's the one he used and not something else less appropriate <laughs> for a kid to be learning when things like that happens. But what in the world, Mom? Um, some of you may know this. Um, I foster do- dogs who, are, who need to be rescued. I foster them. And so Chris walks in a lot of days and he's like, what in the world? There's another dog in our house. We say what in the world a lot at our house. Anybody else use this phrase, what in the world? Um, I heard it this week too. I sat down with a with a, a, a pastor mentor friend of mine. He's a little older than me. I hadn't caught him up on what I was going on um, with Horizon Church and our new purchase and all that good stuff. And he's not on Facebook. So I told him, I was like, we just bought Panorama Bowling Alley a month ago. And he's like, what in the world? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? And I was like, it's going to be a bowling alley six days a week and church on Sunday. And he's like, what in the world? Uh, it's a phrase I've heard so many times this week. I sat down for coffee with a with a girl who's loosely been connected to our church, can't figure out what she exactly believes about Jesus but she has experienced just absolute turmoil in her family over some political things going on in the world. They brought up politics, and her and her family are just like absolutely at odds. And she looked at me, and she's like, Erica, I had to meet with you because I don't know what else to say. What in the world is happening? What in the world? I think we say that phrase because we know We know that something about this world isn't satisfying an ache deep in our hearts and our lives and our purpose and our soul. We are longing and aching for real hope and real peace, true and trustworthy hope and peace in our world. And something about this world comes short of that and we ache for it and we find ourselves saying in shock or surprise, in anger or frustration, what in the world? What in the world? I, I have to share with you guys that um, we are starting a new message series tonight called Refresh. It's how we can be refreshed, get a refreshing idea, a new idea of the vision that God has for our lives, for our church, for our city, for our community. What is it that God wants to do in our lives? And so we are going to refresh what in the world It is that God wants to do in the lives and through a people who are aching and longing for something trustworthy and true, for hope and peace that speaks deeper than what it is we are aching for. Um, I'm going to share with you from the book of Revelation. Um, A man named John wrote it. He was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was one of his closest friends and followers. He watched Jesus heal the blind and, and... Heal the lame, help them to walk again. He, he watched Jesus care for the sick 
and the poor and the orphaned and the widow. He watched Jesus meet a woman at a well and tell her how good it is to follow him. Jesus was deeply um, a friend of John. He, he loved him. G John watched him be crucified and dead and rise again. John was one of his closest friends and followers. He witnessed what it was that Jesus came to do. And after Jesus died and rose again, and, and John and, and the disciples are charged with this mission of God, John finds himself it, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, it says that I, John, John is who wrote this book of Revelation. He said, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So God has asked him to be a part of the ministry of Jesus on the island of Patmos. Patmos is this island in Greece. It's beautiful, crystal clear, blue water, these amazing like stones, it, pebble beach. It's like the most beautiful place in the world. And he asked him to be there to be a ministry and mission for him. And while he's on the island of Patmos, John falls asleep. He calls it a spiritual trance, essentially, in, in the Bible. But he falls asleep and he gets this vision from God of what God is going to do in the future. And God tells him, write these words down. Write these words down. Write down what you see in this vision, this revelation that I'm going to give you. That's why the book is called Revelation. And some things that he reveals to him, I'll just give you a quick overview. I won't tell you everything about it, but some things that he reveals to him in Revelation. The first thing he says is there's going to be people who are lukewarm. Um, the church that, that was on fire and absolutely excited about what it was God is doing in the world, they're going to be lukewarm. They're going to lose sight of their purpose and their passion, they're going to lose sight of their convictions. They're going to be lukewarm. And it's going to make God's stomach turn. In fact, it says in the scripture, it's going to make God want to vomit. My five-year-old would love this word right now. But that's what he, that's what he said. He said it's, it, it makes God sick. The God who sent Jesus to create a new way of doing things, start this new movement, people would get lukewarm about it. They wouldn't care as much about it and it would absolutely break God's heart to see people not care so much about the poor and the orphans and the widows among us. It would absolutely break God's heart that people would choose everything else over worshiping Jesus. They were going to be lukewarm. And then he says later in the, in the vision, he, he sees Jesus literally separate out the good from the bad in the world to the really good things. Jesus like keeps the people who are working hard to follow Jesus and set this kingdom up. God like literally... It, it, John sees him like separate that from the bad, the war and the evil and the brokenness and the pain and the things that cause us all to cry and stay up late at night. Those things are literally like banished away forever. He sees this in his vision. He's like, there's something new that God's going to do. And then I want you to hear what he says in this last couple of chapters, Revelation chapter 21. We're going to stay there the next few weeks. I want you to hear what he says he sees in verse chap, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 5. He says, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea, S-E-A. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So it was more beautiful than I could ever imagine, than anything I've ever seen. 
and I heard a loud voice. It was on a throne and it said this, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, not just sitting beside the throne, but the one seated on the throne said, I am making everything, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. While John is asleep on the shore of the Isle of Patmos, The world is literally falling apart. There's an emperor in charge of the Roman government at the time who's charging way too many taxes and people are scared to death about their financial future. They have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. People, the normal everyday people are getting angry and they stage an uprising and they go in and assassinate this emperor. So like the world is literally, every bit of security and sustainability that they have found is literally falling apart. It literally is falling apart right before their eyes. Their eye, the, the world just, it, it feels like they know it's not working. They know it's not working. Has anybody here felt like that lately? Have you said, what in the world is happening? It feels like it is literally falling apart. And in the middle of, of the world falling apart, they get a brand, John gets this brand new vision of something completely different and completely new. And so I want us to just, Three things that comes from this that I think matters to us today. Those of us who find ourselves in the middle of a crazy world that doesn't make much sense, there are three things. Three things that I think this vision helps us to see. The first, the first is that the vision that God has for the new heaven and the new earth, the new thing that God is doing that was made possible by Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead above sin and death, the new thing that Jesus made possible, the new earth, the new vision that God started is compelling, but it's not always convenient. This vision that was given to John had no C. Did y'all hear that? No C, no S-E-A. John was one of the disciples. These guys were fishermen. They couldn't imagine a world without a sea or an ocean. I'll be real honest with y'all. I don't want to imagine a new creation without the Gulf of Mexico and some white sandy beaches on a Sunday morning when we have church on Friday night. Can I get an amen? That's been kind of nice, right? I don't want to imagine a new heaven and a new earth without the Gulf of Mexico. These guys couldn't imagine a new heaven and a new earth without a sea that would provide them a job and a sustainable living. He says a new heaven and a new earth will not be convenient. It will not be convenient. You can't just get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and sail home at 5 o'clock with what you've managed to do. It will no longer be convenient, but it will be compelling. Because this vision isn't just about what we're waiting for church, folks, it's not just about what we're, we're standing here waiting for God to maybe one day wipe away every tear. God's made that possible now. That new vision, that new earth, that new heaven is coming now. Roll up your sleeves, church. It's time for us to be a part of wiping every tear because in our world, that's compelling, but it's not convenient. We're moving way too fast. I'm, I'll be the first to tell you. 
I'll be the first to tell you the world is moving way too fast. It is not convenient for us to see the tear in our neighbor's eyes and to wipe it off their cheek. But it is compelling. It is what we want, and it is the world we long for. Something about that vision is compelling. It's not convenient, but it is, it is compelling. A world where there's no more pain. A world where abuse and, and darkness and evil and fear and all the things that are breaking our heart and keep us up at night a world with no more pain. It, it's a vision that God is making come alive right now and right here. No more pain. It's not convenient. It's not convenient for us to think about the pain of the people in our community who don't know where their next meal's coming from, but it is compelling to know that we can be a part of a new heaven and a new earth where their pain matters, and God literally takes it out of this earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth. It is compelling, but it is not convenient. It is compelling, but it is not convenient. The second thing that, that this is, is it is new, not just fixed. There's a lot of us who, who long for God to fix and heal and restore our hearts. We long for God to restore and fix and heal our government. We long to God for God to, to heal and fix and, and, and mend all these broken things in the world. But that's not God's vision. God does that. God heals and makes things, things better and healthier. But God's ultimate vision is to make things new. Not just to heal our hearts, but to make them beat wildly for a passion and a conviction and a purpose that we've never experienced before. Not just fixed, but brand new, beating for the things this world really wants. The third thing, and I want y'all to take this one with a grain of salt because you can get too caught up in, the, in, in what I'm about to say, but I want you to hear closely what I'm about to say. God's vision is about tomorrow, not yesterday. It's not about the old order of things. Did y'all hear that? The old things have passed away. It's about tomorrow, not yesterday. And the thing that's keeping us from the vision that God has for our lives and for our community and for our church is that we are wrapped up in yesterday's pain. Y'all can tell me everything wrong that you've done your whole life, everything wrong everybody else has done. You can tell me about your addictions. You can tell me about your shame and your pain and your grief. You can tell me all about yesterday, but we forget about the tomorrow that God has for us. And it keeps us, it keeps us from living into this refreshing new vision that God has for us. Tomorrow is what we should be focused on. Tomorrow, what God has for us tomorrow, not what all we've messed up in our yesterdays. The hang-ups, the pain, the broken hearts of yesterday will hold us back from the tomorrow that God longs to bring, literally is dragging to this earth right now as we speak. Tomorrow, not yesterday. Your marriage wants to be new? Think about tomorrow, not yesterday. You're ready for God to do something different in our government. Think about tomorrow, not yesterday, all things new. I need to tell y'all, I am the worst. I am the worst at getting all caught up 
in the things that are not trustworthy and true. I long so deeply for hope and peace that I would create it for myself. I, I would do anything to, to have just a taste of hope and peace on this side of the new creation. And I try my best to manufacture it here and now. The Nordstrom sale, anniversary sale going on right now, like just going and spending some time in Nordstrom, that'll make everything better. That'll give me a sense of hope and peace right now and right here. If I get a better job, a better promotion, a better church, a better whatever, that will make my hope and my peace real and trustworthy and true. If I'm a perfect mom and can just make everything happen just perfect in the lives of my children. If I can numb the pain that I'm experiencing now with my Netflix binge or whatever. If I could just in some way escape the pain and the tears and the things around me of today, everything will be okay. But none of that, none of the things the world offers is trustworthy and true. That hope and that peace. I, I sit down on my bed at night longing, longing for just some sense of real hope and real peace when I'm empty and broken from trying to create the hope and peace that I long for in my life. We will not get it from the things of this world. We will get it only from the new creation that God is literally ushering in that began through the work of Jesus Christ who died and rose again. And it is not convenient. It is not convenient. It, it means on a Friday night at 6 o'clock we're in a room that's 85 degrees and the humidity is 98%. Amen. It, this is not convenient. But what God promises to do in our hearts and our lives when we stop rushing around and we stop and we worship Him is compelling. It is compelling for a world with tears on their cheeks, with their families divided because the government politics and the, the things of this earth will never give the hope and peace that we know Jesus offers in his new creation. It is not convenient, but it is compelling. It is not just a fixed or restored world. It's not just a sea full of fish that's going to make our jobs better. It is a completely new order, a completely new way of doing things. And so many of us are aching deeply for that. It is new, not just fixed. And it is about tomorrow. It is not about yesterday. Someone in this room has been going through the motions of yesterday. Like we, we can just figure that out, right? Let go of yesterday and let Jesus literally usher in a new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. Let's stop waiting for it. Let's stop just sitting back, waiting and hoping that maybe someday God makes everything okay. God is literally pulling it in right now. There is a world right now who needs the tears wiped off their face, who needs to know that the pain that they are experiencing is not the final thing that this world has to offer who needs to know there's a day where there's no more mourning or crying. There's a new day and a new way. And God's asked us, God's asked us to be a part of that. What in your life, what is the old order of things God is asking in your life to just be set aside tonight? In just a few minutes, we're going to pray. Billy, can you come on up and start playing as we pray? Do communion. What is it? What is it that is old that has been holding you back? Because yesterday is more important than what God can do in your life tomorrow. What grief or pain or mourning 
Do you need to give to God and say, God, you got to, you can't just heal this or fix this. You got to do something new. What is it? And how? How can you offer a compelling vision of what it is God wants to do to a world desperate for convenience? A world that, that just keeps trying to find the convenient things to do. What? What can you do to offer a compelling and different gospel? It is time. It is time right now for God's new heaven and new earth to come alive. And it's going to come alive through people like you who choose to follow Jesus. Because it's compelling. It's not always convenient. Because tomorrow is more important than anything that happened yesterday. And because we are ready for something new, not just fixed, broken systems. We want a whole new order. Will you pray with me? God, I'm reminded of what you did on earth through Jesus. You took a few followers, a few committed people who tried to find convenience in everything else, but who found it compelling to watch you heal the blind, to make those who couldn't walk to walk again, to feed the hungry, to care for the poor, to lift up the widow, and for the people who found themselves at a well longing for something more than just a little water, but who wanted your, your life-quenching, abundant life, God. We are reminded that we are just like them. You took that small group of people who followed you and believed in your compelling vision made, that came alive through Jesus, God. You did something that only you could do. You created a movement and began to issue in, bring in a new order. We believe in that new order and we long for it in our lives. Don't let us be lukewarm anymore. God, make your purpose and passion come alive in us in a brand new and life-giving way. And God, finally, we ask you to take whatever it is in our yesterdays that keeps pulling us back and let us drop it and give it to you and take your hand and march boldly behind Jesus, following him, ushering in step by step a new creation and a new kingdom. We love you and we thank you that your new vision includes us. Your new creation includes us. Amen.